this is the other side of the coin. When we look at health outcomes, plant proteins, the consumption of more plant protein containing foods is associated with better health outcomes. There was a study that was published in 2020 in the British Medical Journal. It was a meta-analysis of 31 studies. And what they did was they looked at the plant protein consumption and health outcomes and animal protein consumption and health outcomes. And what they found was that plant protein consumption, when you ate more plant protein, when people in that, those groups ate more plant proteins, they had lower risk of death from any cause and lower risk of death from heart disease. And they also did an analysis where they simulated what the effect would be from replacing 3% of energy from animal proteins with plant proteins. And they found that there would be a 5% lower risk of death from any cause with that substitution. The reasoning for this is animal proteins are going to come with more saturated fat on average. So when you're eating more animal proteins, you're going to be having a higher saturated fat diet. When you're eating more plant proteins, you're going to have a higher fiber diet. Welcome to the Nutrition Science Podcast, where we help you cut through the noise and make informed, science-based decisions about nutrition and your health. How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Nutrition Science Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Adrian Chavez, and in this episode, we are going to be discussing protein. We're going to talk about what protein is, what it does in our body, how much we need, where to find it, what the best sources are, if we can eat too much of it, and more. So my goal in this episode is to address pretty much all of the questions that I get about protein. I get questions about everything that I just talked about, what the best sources are, how much someone needs, what a protein is. And so what I want to do is try to address all of those questions today so that this episode can serve as a source that you can go back to if you need information about protein, if you want to share this episode with other people who want to know more about protein. The goal is to really break this topic down in a very simple way, in, in a concise way, and just really cover everything that you need to know for your life. And so what I want to do is go ahead and jump into the content and discuss what protein is. So protein is one of the three primary macronutrients, and macronutrients are the nutrients that contribute to our energy. So the three primary macronutrients are protein, fat, carbohydrates, uh, we get our energy from these macronutrients, so all of these macronutrients can be turned into energy, and collectively, they make up the total calories that we consume. So if we add up the amount of energy that we're getting from protein, fat, and carbs, that adds up to the total amount of energy that we're taking in. Protein is one of those macronutrients. Protein is different than the other macronutrients. They can all be used for energy, but protein specifically is made up of what are called amino acids. There are 20 amino acids that our bodies need, and proteins in food are made up of these amino acids that are strung together in various ways. So every time we eat a protein, and there's different proteins in different foods, for example, just within milk, there's multiple types of protein. In every type, every food, there's going to be different types of proteins. So in milk, there's whey protein, which has one structure, and then there's casein protein, which has another. And all of these proteins are made up of individual amino acids. Why am I explaining this? Because these amino acids are very important for our health. Many people think of protein as a source for building muscle, and many people only associate eating more protein or protein, eating protein in general with body composition changes or trying to build muscle or trying to look a certain way. But the reality is that these amino acids that make up these proteins are incredibly important for every aspect of the way that our body functions. So these proteins are incorporated into all of the tissues throughout our body, your skin, your your hair, your nails, your muscle tissue, your organs, 
everything has amino acids incorporated into the structure of it. Also, our enzymes, our immune cells. So our enzymes are what help to uh, allow reactions to occur within our bodies. We cannot be alive without these enzymes, and they are made up of amino acids. So it's incredibly important for more than just building muscle. And as I mentioned, our immune system, our organs, enzymes, just everything is made up of amino acids. So if we're not consuming enough protein, and most of us are, and we'll talk about you know what enough is and, and all of that in a second, but if you're just completely under-consuming protein for a long period of time, that can have negative effects on various aspects of our health that we wouldn't consider because most people are just thinking about protein as, oh, I lose muscle or it helps me build muscle in many cases. And I want to emphasize that it is just an important structural component of our body. It's not just something that helps us to build muscle. Now, how much do we need? This is probably the question I get more than any other question. And there's different numbers that different people will um, use to provide protein recommendations. And I want to try to explain um, some of the numbers that you may have seen before, you may see people use so that you have an understanding of where these come from and why I recommend something a little bit different. And not, and I'm not re- recommending something different than you know, everyone. What I'm recommending is probably in line with the majority of people um, in the space who are reading the research, but there are people who are recommending certain amounts that, that I wouldn't necessarily agree with. So there's a number called the Recommended Dietary Allowance. This is the RDA. And this amount is set at 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight. And so this works out to, let's say you take a 150-pound person, this works out to about 75 grams or 55 grams of protein. For a 200-pound person, this works out to about 75 grams of protein. This, you may see this number, and this is why I'm bringing it up. This is the recommended dietary allowance. This is set by the federal government. This number, oftentimes people who are promoting um, diets that are lower in protein will use this number as a reference and say that as long as you're eating over this number, you're fine. Uh, This number is set based on the amount needed to prevent muscle loss in someone who is not active. So this is why this is important, because I will see people say, as long as you're eating over 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight, that's fine. You're eating enough protein. I've seen this most often from individuals who who are promoting a more plant-based diet that tends to be a little bit lower in protein for some reasons we'll discuss a little bit later. And when people are concerned about consuming enough protein, uh, oftentimes they will say, as long as you're eating over 0.8, you're fine. And I've seen this recommendation many, many times. Um, As I mentioned, this is set by the federal government. So it's easy to use this as a guideline and say, yes, you're fine if you're eating over this. But as I mentioned, we have to understand the context. So this number is only enough to prevent muscle loss in someone who's sedentary. What about people who are active? What about people who want to build muscle? What about people who want to prevent muscle loss over a long period of time? Because this is in the short term as well. And so there's been a lot of debate around this topic in the uh, scientific community around this number and around what an optimal number is. And what I'll do is I'm going to post some papers into the show notes um, that have discussed this topic, that have looked at this topic. Um, The evidence shows that when we get to about 1.6 grams per kilogram of body weight, that number is where we maximize potential for muscle growth. 
So that's probably the higher end when we look at protein intake. So if you're trying to get the most out of your protein intake, when it comes to building and preserving muscle, 1.6 grams per kilogram of body weight seems to be the, the level where you're not going to get any benefit beyond that. There's additional evidence to show that the 1.2 level is a better range for preventing muscle mass loss over the long term, supporting metabolic health, and improving satiety. So one thing that I didn't mention above is because I was actually talking about the structural components that protein plays a role in is that protein helps us to stay full longer and it helps to balance our blood sugar better. So when we eat a higher protein diet, and as I mentioned a second ago, this 1.2 range seems to be a level that is better than the 0.8 and, and seems to support this satiety effect, support metabolic health a little bit better when we eat closer to this range, um, what we'll see is you're going to, in many cases, feel full longer. So let's say, for example, you had 30 grams of protein in your meal versus 20. You're gonna, your blood sugar response is going to be slower, and you're most likely going to feel full longer by shifting that dietary pattern. Now, what is the effect of that? In many cases, you're going to snack less. You're going to eat potentially less calories overall. When people snack less, they tend to have more nutritious, balanced meals. Let's say you're having more protein in your meals. You're focusing around you know, getting 30 grams of protein in each meal. You're going to have a meal that's going to be more satiating. It's going to keep you full longer. You're going to snack less. You'll make it to the next meal, and you can focus on having balanced meals instead of snacking all the time because that's one of the biggest reasons that people struggle with long-term weight management and health and just overall having a quality nutrition plan and staying consistent with that is snacking a lot because they're not eating balanced meals on a regular basis. And if you center your meal around a protein source, you add some carbohydrates to that, you add some veggies and some fiber, uh, maybe a little bit of fat, you are going to stay full longer. That's going to support long-term health. That's going to support long-term body composition improvement as well. So that's another aspect of protein that's important. As I was talking about before I went on this little rant, um, that 1.2 range seems to support that better. And as I mentioned, the 1.6 range seems to be about that upper limit. So this is a range that I and others recommend. And this 1.2 to 1.6 grams per kilogram of body weight. And this looks like, let's say, for example, you take someone who is 150 pounds uh, instead of them eating 55 grams of protein, they're eating between 82 and 109. So it's significantly more protein. And this goes from eating 15 or 18 grams per meal to 25 or 30. And that's going to make a difference in terms of satiety if someone's eating 30 grams in the meal versus 18. And again, this is also going to help with preventing muscle mass loss over time. This change, if someone's going from the 0.8 to a 1.5-ish or 1.4, probably also going to prevent bone loss over time because higher protein diets also um, support bone health over the long term. And these are important. These are important for long-term health. And oftentimes, these things get ignored with some of the recommendations that are put out because people just think that um, 
protein is about muscle growth. And so they think, oh, well, you don't need that much because you're not trying to build muscle. But the reality is just from a health standpoint, that 1.2 range is going to be better than the 0.8. And if you're lifting and you're active, pushing it up closer to that 1.6 range is probably going to be your best bet. And so what I'll do is, because I know this is really difficult if you're listening to this in headphones and you're driving, you're doing other things, this is going to be really difficult to keep track of. So what I'll do is I'll post a worksheet. I'll post that in the show notes. And then you can also find that at dradrianchavez.com forward slash protein. And I'll post a little worksheet that gives you information about what we just talked about. This 1.2 to 1.6 range, how to calculate that. Um, because I know some of you may be thinking what that sounds like in pounds. Um, I'll put those conversions into the worksheet because I know m- most of us in the U.S. don't aren't familiar with the kilograms or how many kilograms we weigh. And it's important to be able to have that information. So that will help you figure out your protein needs. And I think that'll be really helpful for those of you who don't know whether or not you're eating enough protein. Because if you're at that point A level, chances are you're going to see improvements in health. The research data supports it. I've seen it over and over again and working with clients myself. So where do we find protein? The main place is going to be from animal foods. So animal meats, lean meats are going to be almost 100% protein. Same thing with like egg whites, almost 100% protein. But when we get to the fattier meats, there's going to be a higher proportion of carbo- or not carbohydrates, but fat. The calories that are coming from those foods, there's going to be a higher proportion of fat, but they're still relatively high in protein overall. Now, if you're having a really fatty meat, that's going to be mostly fat and less protein, but they're still pretty concentrated in protein. Then we have like dairy, pretty high in protein. The serving of milk is going to be eight grams of protein, somewhere around there. So then we have cheeses, same thing, pretty high in protein. Eggs, pretty high in protein. Fish, pretty high in protein. The fattier the fish, the more that you're going to get from fat instead of protein in terms of calories, but you know, leaner fish is going to be almost 100% protein. So those are the primary sources, eggs, fish, meat, dairy, in terms of animal sources. Now, plant sources, are they tend to be less concentrated. So there's less protein on average per calorie for, for plant-based sources. And that's because most plant-based sources are also going to include lots of carbohydrates and fiber. There's not really any pure sources of protein when it comes to plant foods like there is with animal foods. So animal foods, you can get like a Greek yogurt that's almost 100% protein. You can get chicken breast, almost 100% protein. There's not options like that when it comes to plant foods. When it comes to plant foods, the main sources of protein are going to be tofu, chickpeas, edamame, lentils, and beans, and all of the different legumes are typically the highest sources of protein. Tempeh is another pretty good source of protein. And then a tier down below that is whole grains, like some like whole wheat pasta, for example, will have six grams of protein typically per serving, uh, nuts and seeds. So you'll get like six grams of protein from a, from a serving of most nuts and seeds. But these are, you know, you're getting six grams per 200 calories, significantly less than what you would get from, let's say, for example, chicken breast, you're going to get 35 grams per 200 calories. So substantial difference in terms of the amount of protein per calories. And this is a reason why individuals who limit animal foods tend to have a harder time meeting protein needs. And it may be important for them to just be a lot more mindful of overall protein intake. So protein is important. And if you're eating, if you're excluding some of these foods that are just generally high in protein, you have to be more mindful about getting enough protein in your diet. And if you're eating 
a more plant-based diet, or if you're eating, even if you're not eating more plant-based diet, but you're struggling uh, to meet your protein needs, another really great source is protein powder. So you can use whey protein powder. You can use a plant-based protein powder. You can mix it with a smoothie. You can have it as a snack. You can mix it into yogurt. You can incorporate it into oatmeal. Protein powder is a great way to add more protein and ensure that you're meeting your protein needs. I mentioned before, the brand that I recommend, the brand that I personally use is Legion. I'll post a link in the show notes for their plant and whey proteins. You can go to their website at legionathletics.com and check those out. They have some great flavors. They, they taste good. They're good quality. Um, and I highly recommend their products. As I mentioned, this, this is what I use. This is what I've been using. You can get a discount on your first order if you've never purchased from them. If you use the code Chavez, and you can just type that in in the promo box. When you're checking out, you'll get 20% off your first order. You'll get double points if it's not your first order. And these points add up and accumulate and you get rewards from that. So if you're not getting enough protein in your normal diet, or you're struggling to kind of meet that 1.2 range and you're falling into the one range or 0.9 range, um, it may be good to support that with a protein powder. I'm not telling you everyone needs it, um, but I use one myself to make sure that I'm consuming enough protein on a regular basis because I tend to eat a more plant-based diet due to the fact that my son uh, is vegetarian. So for that reason, that's why protein shakes really, for me, help me to meet my needs. Um, and I've been using various types of protein shakes for quite some time, and they are very helpful to have around. And I do recommend that as something that you can keep in your pantry. So check that out. If you're interested, you can go to legionathletics.com or check out the links in the show notes. So Let's talk about protein sources a little bit more from a quality perspective. Is one better than the other? So we talked about there, the protein is more concentrated in animal sources. And when it comes to quality, you're going to hear things about protein quality as well. Animal foods tend to have more essential amino acids. In essential amino acids, there's nine amino acids that are considered essential. That means our body cannot make them. We have to be eating them. And our body can make the other amino acids if we're eating if we have enough of the essential amino acids, the body can make the non-essential amino acids. So uh, when it comes to essential amino acids, animal foods tend to provide more essential amino acids. And on a gram for gram basis, if you're consuming the same amount of animal and plant foods, there is some evidence that was a meta-analysis of randomized controlled trials that was published in 2021 that I'll, that I'll share in the show notes that showed that there was a minor difference in muscle gain among individuals who are consuming animal proteins versus plant proteins. However, there is additional evidence. There was another study published in 2021 that wasn't included in this meta-analysis that showed that the muscle gain was the same between groups when both groups were eating 1.6 grams per kilogram of body weight of protein between the plant-based proteins and the animal proteins. So in this study, they had two groups. One was eating plant proteins, one was eating Animal proteins, they were both eating 1.6 grams per kilogram of body weight, and there was no differences in the changes in muscle mass. So the thought process around this, the current consensus around this topic is that, you know, animal proteins do have more essential amino acids, and they may be more favorable in terms of muscle gain if you're not eating enough protein, if you're not hitting that 1.6 range. But if you're up at that 1.6 range, because you're getting enough amino acids overall, that there's no difference in animal and plant proteins in terms of outcomes. So if you're someone who's eating a more plant-based diet, you're worried about your ability to gain muscle on this diet. The evidence demonstrates that if you're eating enough protein, if you're getting that 1.6 range, 
there shouldn't be an issue. So individuals who are eating a more plant-based diet may actually need a little bit more and may need to shoot for the higher end of that 1.6 range due to the fact that those proteins may contain less of the essential amino acids. So that's another consideration, especially if you're lifting weights, if you're eating a plant-based diet and you're not including any animal protein and you want to ensure that you're getting the most of your resistance training, you want to ensure that you're maximizing your ability to gain muscle mass and prevent muscle mass loss over time, you may need to increase your protein intake a little bit more than what would, you know, like for example, that 1.2 is perfectly fine. For most people, let's say you're lifting weights, you probably want to go 1.4 to 1.6-ish. If you're uh, on a plant-based diet and you're lifting weights, you definitely want to be up around that 1.6 range and maybe a little bit higher, potentially, if, you, if it's feasible for you. So just something to consider. Another thing to consider, so this is the other side of the coin. When we look at health outcomes, plant proteins, the consumption of more plant protein-containing foods is associated with better health outcomes. There was a study that was published in 2020 in the British Medical Journal. It was a meta-analysis of 31 studies. And what they did was they looked at the plant protein consumption and health outcomes and animal protein consumption and health outcomes. And what they found was that plant protein consumption, when you ate more plant protein, when people in that, those groups ate more plant proteins, they had lower risk of death from any cause and lower risk of death from heart disease. And they also did an analysis where they simulated what the effect would be from replacing 3% of energy uh, from animal proteins with plant proteins. And they found that there would be a 5% lower risk of death from any cause uh, with that substitution. So the reason for this, and I'll explain this, I'm not trying to say that like plant proteins are generally like healthier than animal proteins, but the reasoning for this is animal proteins are going to come with more saturated fat on average. So when you're eating more animal proteins, you're going to be having a higher saturated fat diet. When you're eating more plant proteins, you're going to have a higher fiber diet. This is a great explanation why heart disease risk will be lower when you're eating more plant proteins because you're substituting saturated fat for fiber. I've talked about saturated fat in a previous episode. I'll link that in the show notes. You can look into why saturated fat for some people is going to more likely increase heart disease risk if you are including higher amounts in your diet. And then when it comes to fiber, that's the other side of the coin. Fiber reduces LDL cholesterol, reduces the risk of colorectal cancer and other things as well. And there's nothing but health benefits for fiber. So if you're eating more plant proteins, you're going to be eating more fiber. You're also going to be eating other nutrients as well that are coming from these plant proteins. So for example, if you're eating nuts, you're getting the nutrients from those foods. If you're eating beans, you're getting all the nutrients that come from beans and all of the B vitamins, the iron, and the other micronutrients that come along with that in addition to the fiber. And so there are nutrients in animal proteins. Definitely not trying to downplay that because animal proteins can be extremely nutrient-dense, especially like salmon, liver, other things like that. They can be extremely nutrient-dense. So the thing that I personally think is driving a lot of this is the difference between the saturated fat and fiber. You eat more fiber when you eat more plant proteins. With that said, Something that I would recommend, because I know that most people are not doing this, is to eat more plant proteins. So incorporating more tofu, more beans, more lentils, more nuts and seeds into your diet on a regular basis is, for most people, going to have a positive health effect for almost everyone. So I highly recommend that. Highly recommend trying to substitute some of your animal protein sources for plant protein sources. 
So let's say, for example, you're having ground beef and you're, you're making spaghetti with ground beef. You can put some lentils in there and take some of the ground beef out. And you'll get some of the nutrients from lentils. You'll get some fiber from the lentils. You'll get some additional protein from the lentils. And it won't change the flavor of your actual meal very much. And so doing things like this to incorporate more plant proteins so that you get some more of that fiber, you can take out some of that saturated fat, you can still meet your protein needs, in my opinion, is going to benefit most people from a health standpoint. So I highly recommend that. That's all I have for this episode. I want to give a quick summary before we sign off. So number one, protein is incredibly important for many, many things beyond body composition. It's important to eat enough protein. 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight is absolute minimum to be eating. 1.2 is probably going to be better for overall health, for satiety, for maintaining muscle mass. And then the 1.6 level, if you're active, you're lifting or you're on a plant-based diet, you're trying to maintain muscle mass, or you're an older individual who's trying to maintain muscle mass, that 1.6 range is probably better. I'll put a worksheet into the show notes and then also post one at dradrianchavez.com forward slash protein, where you can find more information about how to calculate your protein needs. And then when it comes to sources, I'll also put some information on that worksheet with sources, the amounts that come in each of those sources of protein so that you can have that information to see because that'll be helpful. What we discussed about sources is that animal proteins may be a little bit more beneficial for gaining muscle mass, but that seems to be canceled out if you're eating enough total protein from plant protein sources. And then also plant proteins, when we eat more plant protein sources, that seems to have a positive effect on our health relative to eating more animal protein sources. So if you're eating a lot of animal protein sources currently and not a lot of plant protein sources currently, I would highly recommend to include more of these plant protein sources and substitute out some of those animal sources. That's all I have for this episode. I hope this was an informative episode for you. Last thing, and I almost forgot to mention this because it just doesn't deserve the time. There's a lot of people saying that high protein intakes cause kidney damage. There's no evidence of this. People who have existing kidney issues may have trouble tolerating a high protein diet. If you have a kidney issue, see a dietitian, work with them to figure out the protein that you need to be taking in. If you don't have a kidney issue, this is not a problem at all. And as I mentioned, that 1.6 range is the top end where you're going to get benefits. Going beyond that is, is there's no harm that has been shown to eating more protein beyond uh, that 1.6 range. There's not, not been any data to show that higher protein diets increase cancer risk or any other negative health effects. Now, there may be negative health effects from consuming higher protein diet because you may be eating a lot of saturated fat, for example, but the protein itself is not causing any harm. So I wanted to express that. That's another very common myth. I sometimes forget that people still believe it because I feel like it's been debunked for quite some time, but every once in a while, someone will ask me this, does protein damage our kidneys? It does not. It's perfectly safe to eat higher protein diet. You know, you can eat a whole gram per pound of body weight. So for example, you're 200 pounds, you can eat 200 grams of protein if you, if you want to. It's just probably not going to be that enjoyable of a diet. So wanted to cover that really quickly before we signed off. But that's all I have for this episode of the podcast. I hope it was helpful. Hope you have a great week and we will talk soon. Mm-hmm.